podcast on the Athletic Network, Tuesday, January 14th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tass. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o. Hey-o. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Guys, help yourself to some lemon loaf right there in the middle of the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yes. delicious. I just inhaled a slice. Yeah, Nora was cooking that up, baking that last night. No icing on it, Lee. I know you like to... Uh, you treat your body like a temple. <laughs> when it's homemade, you know I'm going to eat it no matter what they put on it. <laughs> Excellent. Guys, follow us on social media, both Twitter and Instagram, at No Dunks Inc. You know we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach a little later today. Ooh. Yes. Beach stepping on a Tuesday. It's a back-to-back jacks type of day in the no dunk studio but still keep the questions coming all week long but we start today guys with a little is this news our first headline cbs sports thunders shea gilgis alexander records historic first career triple double in win over timberwolves is this news this is great news this is such big news that i saw some graphics last night that just listed Shea Gilgis Alexander's name as Shea. Mm-hmm. He's a one-name guy already. He's household. <laughs> it's a pretty great nickname. SGA is also a pretty good nickname. Yep. But I think people will get to know Shea. I like it. Just Let's just call him Shea. It sounds like a, a rock star. It sounds like he could have been singing that cutie patootie off the top there. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Rob Armstrong who was singing that. That's the guy that called me Temper Boy back in the day. <laughs> Another classic nickname. <laughs> what a cutie patootie that Rob Armstrong is. Uh, Shea Gilles Alexander is fun to watch because he's, uh, he's playing in slow-mo out there. You know, he's got, he's got that Luca sort of feel to me. Finished with the right hand, left hand. He understands that he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands at all times. Uh, to kill people, and I think that uh, he learned that from playing with Chris Paul this year, but also last year he was a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, came over in that trade, and was just making shots off other guys making plays, and even in that six-game playoff run that they had against the Golden State Warriors. He's great, and uh, he can play D as well. So um, he was motivated to get rebounds, as uh, Billy Donovan told him, you got to do more out there, and the guy can stuff the stat sheet because he, he's six five. even though he looks – I forget he's 6'5 because he looks so slim out there, but yeah. he, he can do a lot. 20 mo- points, 20 boards, 10 assists. He moves around the court so easily and so well. He's he, like gliding out there. He is, yeah. He's in control. He's got great composure. He's got great IQ. He knows when to sort of go for a mid-range. He knows when to drive. He's playing well beyond his years right now. And, I mean, when you look, about, look at and think about how the Thunder even acquired him in the first place – it was basically like uh, Sam Presti saying, all right, you can have Paul George. Give us a few draft picks. We'll just take Shea, and uh, you guys go on your way. And it's turned out incredibly well. Of course. I mean, yeah, he looks like a, a future, I mean, all-star. all-star at the very least. Yeah. Hell, he could be in the running this year. I don't think he'll make it, but the numbers are comparable to some of the other guys that are going to be in the mix. Um, but, yeah, future all-NBA type of player. You know, maybe even going as far to say, could this guy be in the MVP conversation way oh, down the road? Come on, come on, buddy. Way down the road. I'm talking six, seven Pump years. Pump the brakes, He's dog. 21 years old. I know. We're gliding around here. We're lemon loafing around here, but calling him an MVP after one 2020 I'm not calling him an MVP You said this now. guy guaranteed is going to win MVP next year, maybe even this year. I was listening. Uh, but to me, this was not news. This isn't even the first 2020 triple-double we've seen in the past calendar year. 
Russell Westbrook did it last season, and people were saying, I've never seen anything like this. Have you watched the Thunder? That's what Russell Westbrook played last year. He had a 20-20-20 game. This is certainly impressive for Shea, but I don't know. A 20-20-10 to me, it almost feels commonplace. It feels like a regular triple-double, the way that triple-doubles used to feel special. He certainly went for it at the end there. Oh, my goodness, yeah. He was chasing stats. Of course he was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rebounds. He, I mean, there's 23 He's following in the footsteps of Russell yeah, Westbrook. Yeah, that's right. Which, which, but, uh, and I'm not knocking for that because this is what players do. Players have done it forever and they'll keep doing yeah. it. Players, when they're close to some sort of crazy milestone, they like to try to go and stuff. He didn't need to be out on the court there at the end. The game was over. Yep. But it was like, hey, let's see if he can get a nice, sexy uh, box score line. Yeah. And, and, and he again, got he, was chasing, he was chasing his first triple-double of his career, yes. too. It just happens to be a wild 2020-10. Yeah, you're right. The right. guys do this all the time. I, mm-hmm. saw, I saw a Reddit thread uh, questioning whether Chris Paul missed that shot on purpose so Shea Gilgis-Alexander <laughs> no, could. That's next level. And, and he put it right on the right spot as well great reddit thread <laughs> um but you know i think it's news because it's interesting because i just would never expect it from from shea to put up monstrous rebound numbers his career high was 10 before this one so he just went out and doubled it uh and i don't know he just kind of come out it's also just highlighting a you know the okc story and and giving him the credit because all the credit's been going in chris paul's direction for this team and yeah we talk about the the complimentary parts and and, and shea and Steven Adams and other guys, but Shaquille Alexander's numbers are actually better in a lot of ways than Chris Paul. He's you know, scoring uh, uh, scoring more. He's the team's leader in, in scoring. Uh, he, he, I think he just needed to be highlighted a little bit, and now he's the, the youngest guy to get a, a, that number, those numbers, which are, you know, obviously arbitrary numbers, but when you see it up against a guy like Shaq, who was the youngest player, that's cool. Nikola Jokic, Marie Stokes, and Dolph Shays round out the top five. Uh, Dolph. A <laughs> couple guys in the 50s making it happen. You, you talked about how he looks so smooth out there, and he does, but I actually agree with um, CBS's sports, you know, where we got this headline, Jack Maloney. He has that rare ability, I think, is, this is very true with Shea, to look extremely smooth at times, but then he breaks out this sort of odd little herky-jerky type of moves that does keep the defense off balance and I, I totally get that I see that he is very smooth but he has a weird sort of herky-jerky style mm. to him too a little bit they're of course not the same player so don't get mad at me here Trey <laughs> but I find Kevin Durant to be like that too at times smooth but also with his dribble and the way he moves at times this herky-jerkiness to him um, and that's sort of that that maybe it's the body type as well a little bit being a obviously a a skinnier, lengthier guard. Um, obviously not as big as KD, but he's mm. got that too. And, it, and it's working because the guy can finish at the rim. He had a beautiful finish like last night. He does that every game. It, it, I know. To me, it's more uh, Steve Nash type. You know, he sort of he's dribbling and all of a sudden he just sort of rolls it off his finger while he's, you know, sort of mid-stride. Yeah, he doesn't put the other hand yeah. on the ball. To yeah. me, it's more of like a Karis Levert, you know. I don't know. We're just naming guys that mm. he reminds us of. What's I mean, SGA is great. He has been incredible. He put up a 20-20-10. But that doesn't mean he's in the all-star conversation this year. I yes, know we're excited. He's right there. He is. He, he will never. 20... He would not make the all-star game this year over Chris Paul. No, no I, chance. He, I'm saying he won't. He's in the conversation. He has to be. He's averaging twenty. He doesn't six, have and to be. Three. He doesn't have to be shooting forty-seven percent. Okay. In 2020, he's gotten even better. So timing matters. We talk about it all the time. He's not going to make it. I'm with you. He's going to make it in the future, immediate future, probably. Or is that too far? Next season. Next two seasons, he makes it. I'll take that bet. All right. 
I'll say no. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that And that seems like a good bet. But he's improved in other ways, too. Little ways, obviously, with his rebounding is huge. He draws, you know, le- he, he draws more fouls. He's fouling less. He's turning the ball over less. Um, so he's getting better, of course, and he's only 21, so he should. I keep thinking, it's funny you said Steve Nash. It is wild to think a two-time MVP in his second year in the league was playing with a future Hall of Fame point guard. He was behind Jason Kidd. Obviously, yeah. Nash was and coming off the bench. But you got Shea here playing alongside Chris Paul, another future Hall of Famer. And Nash in his second year is putting up like nine and three. You know, he's obviously not getting the minutes that Shea is, but a hell of a start. Yeah. He's well on his way to being the greatest Canadian player of all time. <laughs> well, look at the other Canadian on the court last night. Ten points, one rebound, three assists. Andrew Wiggins. Damn, I mean, he's damn, already better hurts, than Andrew man. Wiggins. Damn, that hurts. I'm still on the island. Ah, oh, future MVP. Are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm the only one but, there. But, yeah, I mean, the, you know, they not, packed up shop. Unfortunately, I can't get off. I can't get off the island now. How's that subway going? Is it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we've got one stop. <laughs> you can just go down into the into the station. And it doesn't go anywhere. Trains never come. But we have built one spot. But just, I mean, the, like there's no towns, obviously, and, and the wolves are struggling again. You know, as they do every season. And last night was just an opportunity for at least Wiggins to be like, I mean, how does he get one rebound? How does he get well, one took them all. when Shea goes right. out and gets 20? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, he's, he's four for 12 from the field, 0 for 3. Like, like Shea impacts a game in a variety of ways. Wiggins doesn't. If, he's, if he can score, sure, and that's it. Yeah. And that, 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 I mean, it's just so frustrating for me. You look at this Timberwolves team, and, and again, Towns is out, so they're, they're not going to be great. Your second star there is nowhere near a star. Even though he's putting up on the season reasonable numbers but they just don't impact the game and he doesn't impact the game enough i get so excited watching shea play uh and maybe why i'm going a little overboard trey is because he's i'm canadian. excited that he's yeah recommitted to playing for the canadian national team in november and you know we've talked about it briefly before here on the podcast canada has to win a little mini qualifying tournament in canada uh in june against five other teams they have to win it they got to win that whole little mini tournament to make it to the 2020 olympics and shea and Jamal Murray and a lot of these Canadian guys have said they're playing. They're there and they're going to try and do it on home soil and try and get them into the Olympics. It's not going to be easy. They got Greece and China in their group, like right in their little group A, and then Uruguay, Czech Republic, and Turkey on the other side. And again, you got to be the number one team from that. I think it's possible with all these guys. And again, I get excited as a Canadian watching what Shea can do in the NBA. Well, damn, team them up with some other talented guys in the, in the league. They should, especially on home, you know, they're going to be one of the favorites whether they can get it done against maybe a Giannis-led Greece team or even Turkey or something like that, Czech Republic on the other side. Not easy, but no. yeah, with all those guys in, they should have a good chance. Giannis might not be there as well because no, it, it bumps up pretty close yeah. to Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And, you know, Giannis would play through anything, but if it's uh, Game 4 or Game 5, Game 6, he would literally have a week off and then have it to play yeah. in that tournament. But... I'll be cheering for China in that three-team uh, group there. Because <laughs> you're torn. Over, you can't yeah, cheer for I can't. Don't know if I can cheer for Canada. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> tough, All right. It's tough sledding. Our next headline, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Sixers fall to Indiana Pacers, marking sixth straight road loss. Is this news? I'll it's, say this is news because that was a nice win for the Pacers. It was. Very professional, I thought. You came down to... Uh, you know, the last minute, and the Pacers just made every single little play that needed to be made. Malcolm Brogdon had a nice offensive rebound where he eventually got fouled, put a couple of points on the board. T.J. Warren obviously had the block on Tobias Harris shooting a three. Next time down, played pretty great defense. Uh, the Pacers did. 
and then they were able to seal things by grabbing the offensive board after, or by grabbing the defensive board after everybody was scrambling, getting the ball out of Al Horford's hands, getting a challenge on Furkan Korkmaz. It would have been easy with uh, guys running everywhere for it to be an offensive rebound for a big team like the Sixers, but the Pacers took care of business. Every play that needed to be made in the clutch was made by the Pacers. There was those two rebounds I mentioned that were 50-50 balls. Mm -hmm. They got both of them. That's how you win games. That's how the Sixers have fallen behind the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, this game in itself is not a bad loss for Philadelphia because Indiana's a good, tough team, but the six road wins in a, road losses in a row is a little bit of a concern, even though they've, beaten, they've been up against some good teams, but they seem to get a lead early and then can't quite close it out. I thought, I mean, obviously, no Joel Embiid there. Simmons was great for them. But down the stretch, their was he? offense. He was good for a half. Well, he did nothing. Uh, well, I thought he's I've, done that a couple times now too. Yeah, he's done that a couple times. But I think well, overall, why? why he should? I mean, it's your team with no Embiid. It's your team. Yeah, he should be taking over these games, and he was. He was unstoppable. He went to the rim every, every single time, time yeah. in the first half, and then it completely disappeared. And it was like that against the Dallas Mavericks as well. Uh, what's why does he do this? I yeah. don't get this part. I don't know. I wouldn't expect him. He's not going to be an MVP anytime soon. I, I just I don't think you can expect that. Of him, I, he had Jimmy Butler doing it last year. He has, he just he, that's all. You're asking him to be a number one guy. I just, I just don't know if that's him. I don't know why he does it for halves because yeah. he looks like the number one guy for a half, and then, and then he just stops playing that way. It's not dissimilar to a big guy not really getting the ball down the stretch of a game because you know Simmons is going to pass it off, and if he's going to score, it's probably going to be on an alley oop or a putback, or maybe they'll get a mismatch in a post. He could throw up a little dinker dumper. Josh Richardson had 17 in the fourth quarter. That's part of the reason why Ben Simmons was taking a backseat. Richardson was aggressive. He was looking for his shot. He was playing pretty well. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Simmons has to be able to be aggressive looking for his own baskets, uh, even down the stretch, even if that's not necessarily where the Sixers want him because he comes up a lot of times, dumps it off, and he's going just down to the dunker spot, which is fine. Bring him up into a pick and roll. Let him actually play as a dunker rather than just waiting for somebody to drop him off. That's the problem is is when he gets down there, he doesn't move. He just sort of stands around hoping that maybe he gets a loose ball. But the Sixers also couldn't hit a three-pointer last night. which I get. But their offense is, is, is when it's bad, it's awful. And yeah. it's ugly as anything to watch. But shots just don't go in. And last night, no one hit more than one. Yet four, five guys tried more than five or five or more. So they maybe got the shots they wanted. They couldn't knock them down in that second half. But... Uh, yeah, Philly has a has a tendency because we've talked about it before. When Simmons is not with Embiid, they tend to look better because the floor is a lot more open and, and Simmons can go crazy. But in that second half, it it uh, bogged down again, and then it's like it's the same thing against Dallas. It's like where's the basket coming from here? No one seems yeah. to really want it. So what does Elton Brand sort of do as the GM of the Sixers? Because they just they just keep saying, yeah, we're getting open looks, we're getting good looks. They sort of are. I agree with that, but we can't hit them. Well. So what, you just keep hoping that suddenly Al Horford is going to be able to start hitting shots or Tobias Harris or what, like, or do you make a move and try and get some shooting? Because I want to hear what you guys think of this. Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice, he says, he wrote this morning, the ugly truth about this Sixers team is they simply cannot score at a level benefiting of an NBA Finals team. Because of outs- outside of Embiid, there's really no Sixer that strikes any fear into you know the opponent on the offensive end when it comes to shooting the ball. Well, it just shows in fourth quarters... In a, in a place like Indiana on the road, uh, teams teams are going to tighten up in the regular season. They're going to play some good defense, and that's where they're struggling. They they haven't they've beat one current playoff team on the road this season. They're one in twelve against current playoff teams on the road, 
And, yeah, they need a playmaker or a guy who's sort of dedicated to that. They need a guy who's forced to shoot, I think, like a J.J. Redick was for them last mm-hmm. year. Uh, their playmaker, essentially, it's it's not really Ben Simmons. It's got to be Josh Richardson, who was in that role with Miami last year, and he was dealt. Uh, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not a number one playmaking type of guy. Tobias mm-hmm. Harris is chilling. He sort of has to be forced. We've seen him sort of play that J.J. Redick dribble handoff thing before with Al Horford, with Ben or with the Joel Embiid out. That kind of works sometimes, but Tobias Harris and that $180 million bucks isn't paying off right now. It's just not Tobias Harris. I think they need another creator, another just – there's talk about Drew Holiday. That, that would be sublime. You know, just a guy who can – was forced to put the thing on the floor and make something happen. Uh, because uh, yeah, it's worrisome. A, yeah, at least a threat yeah. to shoot. Yeah, and knock who, something down who's everything? Head. Who's who's really a very good ball handler? They need one of those out there. They, that's that's what it looks like to me. But I'm I'm curious. Will the Sixers? I'm not even calling it panicking, but like going like, uh oh, I don't know if this uh, the way we have this squad is going to work to get to the finals and try and win a championship. Do does again? Does Brand try and make some sort of move? in moving one of these guys. Uh, I definitely think it's possible, but I'm kind of with Tass that it needs to almost come from inside. We had Brett Brown saying Ben Simmons needs to shoot a three a game. He should tell Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris, shoot more than five threes a game. They should be taking seven or eight. Those are guys who can at least shoot, who are there on the roster, who you brought in to stretch the floor for Embiid and Simmons. We need to see more from both of them, I would say. Uh, they're, that's where That's an easy way for you to get shooting on the court. The guys you have that are already playing, Take them. Don't pump fake and take a 20-footer. It's worth more if you're back farther. Yeah, I just don't know if it's in, Toby. Uh, I don't think it is. That's, I mean, he's that's had a shot. He's kind of had a shot, you know, and maybe it's in Josh Richardson. I don't know, but I think that's the thing not. with Tobias Harris, though, why he's bounced around so much for his young career already. People think that he's going to be better than he is and more than he is, but he's not. He's, he's, a, he's a good player player but he's right. not he's not that he's, sort not of get, he's getting paid a lot more than a good player way That's more problem. Way i saw more. people even comparing them like they're like tobias harris is basically tj warren and tj warren <laughs> makes like 10 million dollars a year tobias harris makes three times the amount of yeah. that it's like are they that dissimilar i mean like ouch uh like i like tj warren too but wow it's a you could bit of a blow yeah uh, i mean i guess you're getting a little more shooting from toby harry but <laughs> but you're right uh i don't know i though i did just hear that 19-7-3, which is what Tobias Harris is putting up. That gets you in the all-star conversation. So. <laughs> no, actually, Shea was better than that. He's at 20. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but it's interesting to think. Tobias Harris, he was a fringe all-star guy last year. Now he's in a bigger role. I think he's been I a fringe it, all-star a couple of exactly years, Exactly right. Exactly you know, right. But, yeah. um, and and then, then they paid him like a superstar. Yeah. I, think they, I think part of the reason they paid him that much was because they lost Jimmy, and they traded for Tobias, and they're like, we don't want to lose both of these guys considering mm-hmm. what we gave up. Yeah. Tobias, you want it? Sure, you can have it. But <laughs> this is, you know, it's always a bit of a red flag when a guy has just been, oh, this guy's good, he's young, he's great, but everyone wants to trade him. True. But and they didn't They didn't just lose Jimmy. They did trade him for Josh Richardson. Sure, but I, I think considering, I think if they could have kept Jimmy, they would have over Tobias if Jimmy didn't want to leave. Oh, yeah. I guess it's the Jimmy versus Ben conundrum, really, is what it came down to. <laughs> ben and Jimmy can't play together. I mean, that's... That seemed to be what Jimmy was hinting at when he didn't want to tell us what happened in Philadelphia. Yeah, he because it's it. probably games like this that drive a guy like Jimmy Butler mad, right? Like, uh, yeah. hey, Ben, you don't remember the first half when you drove by Pacers left and right and were dunking it every single time and then you sort of just completely disappear? Why do you keep doing that? Uh, that's but, not how Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is in the gym at 3 a.m. That would piss him off. But then Butler <laughs> can take over in the fourth quarter. It's not a bad little situation yeah. for him. But. I don't know. With this team, you'd really start to think, the Sixers team, 
it's like, man, if this was like the late '80s, yeah, they're they're a finals contender right now. Like the way they play, uh, you know, the defense is solid, and we're going into Embiid. It's like I just don't know if the way they're currently constructed is gonna work to win four playoff series. Yeah. I but just when it don't. does work, like going back to Christmas Day, they look great I against know. the great team. That's right. Everyone was hitting shots that day. Everyone was yeah, the ball was right. zipping around. Um, what's so it, what's that say when a team is? 18 and 2 at home. They're 18 and 2. Of, you know, obviously one of the best records yeah. in the association and then 7 and 13 on the road. I mean, it just it's their culture, right? I mean, they they don't I don't know, not on the same page type of thing, just don't aren't working for each other and they're just not on a string. I guess they are on a string cuz they're playing defense. Well, <laughs> they play defense. You said it uh, there Trey early on. Indiana has first off beaten the 76ers twice in the last 2 weeks and they jumped them last night. Indiana now in the fifth spot in the East. They're getting Nola Depot back at the end of the month. They just got Brogdon back, who had a great game. Uh, um, Sabonis, too, had a little injury, too, right? He just came back from an ankle injury. They're half a game ahead of Philly here. That's, yeah. that's wild. I mean, I know there's no Embiid playing, and that, that is hurt. And they're, Yeah, they're a different team when Embiid's in there, and they have their own problems, but he helps them. Um, I wonder if we get this matchup in the playoffs. It's poten- like There's it's a 4-5 the potential. There's a 3-6 even potential here. Between the Pacers and the Sixers, and then again with Oladipo back, wow, they're yeah. feeling pretty confident. I, I, I had to uh, refresh my uh, my standings page because I uh, this was from pre-games Mondays, eighteen and two and <laughs> well, seven and fourteen. Open, eh? I did, yeah. I'm wow. a, ah, it's a real real flaw of mine. I'm, I'm a keep open tabiner, <laughs> and it's not working for me right now. Keep uh, yeah, open the, the Pacers jumped them. It's wild, but yeah. Then we we go back to Christmas Day and we say, wow, this team is awesome, but. A series, a two, a three, may, well, three is too many. They can win a couple series like that, but fours, they just don't seem to be together enough. All right, our next headline, this one, from ESPN. Kevin Love feels like LeBron's Lakers could do something special. <laughs> is this news? Kevin Love oh, sees something yeah, in LeBron's yeah. Lakers. This is news. This is news. I think uh, Kevin Love feels that the Lakers uh, could be a contender, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is crazy though. In the this was like the Lakers crushed the Cavs last night, monster win. This was the first time LeBron and Love had played against each other um, since LeBron had left Cleveland for LA as a free agent mm. in the summer of 2018. They just had never played both. You know their teams had played, but they had just never played in those games, both of them. So here they were last night, and Love nice. liked what he saw. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm glad he's going out on a limb. <laughs> If he would have said the Bucs could do something special, <laughs> that's just too easy. But I mean the second best team in the league. There you go. Uh, but I don't know. Are we going to remember Kevin Love and LeBron James together? Yeah. I don't know. That's very. It's weird to me to think that they have history together. Clearly they do. They both played huge parts for the Cavs in the 2016 championship. You know, they're going to be in the last minute. You're going to see a whole bunch of Kevin yeah. Love and LeBron James. But I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they're teammates. Yeah. Really? Even even them doing yeah. all their I feel handshakes like, and stuff and yeah, dapping each other up after the game? It's like... I don't know. LeBron and Chris Bosh seem way closer to me than LeBron and Kevin Love. Uh, that's yeah, the, totally. I don't know, but they do. I had uh, totally forgotten. Yeah. It's it's. I knew they were teammates because you know they won a championship together, and Kevin Love was a, an integral part of that when it came down to it. But yeah, I had forgotten it too in a strange way for some reason. It was funny seeing LeBron destroy his other ex teammate Tristan Thompson, who was uh, oh, guarding yeah. him at times. LeBron had 31, 12 of sixteen shooting, eight assists. Uh, as LA picked up their ninth straight win. LeBron also passed uh, Zeke, Isaiah Thomas, for eighth on the all-time assist list. Yeah. yeah, He's doing it. LeBron, every second game, is now 
passing a legend yeah, on right. one of the all-time ranks. I think he's he, going to be an all-star this year, LeBron. He, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> uh, he just passed Jordan, right, for field, field goals, goals made, yeah. and then here he is passing Zeke. And this is field honestly goals made's the worst. Field yeah. goals like made. Yeah. Nobody really cares. Yeah, I agree. he's still it's got weird like one. like three thousand though or something to pass Kareem, which wow. is just incredible. I mean, obviously he's still got you know a lot of uh, thousands of points to catch Kareem, but just amazing when you think about LeBron in 17th season scoring whenever he wants and he's still got so much ground yeah. to make up to, to become well, it just shows you how long Kareem played yeah. for and he didn't have the three-point exactly, shot in his arsenal yeah. so he had to shoot so many you know yeah. to, to get to that point total he had to take so many more twos yeah Tristan and, Thompson uh, he had a fine game though you know yeah not to, not to go I mean it was just funny he's getting waxed I mean it's not a fair matchup even though they played each other in practice apparently all the time back in Cleveland <laughs> He killed him. <laughs> Tristan Thompson can't guard LeBron. That's going to be somebody other, some other podcast. Uh, is this news from No Dunks? Jay Skeet says Tristan Thompson can't guard LeBron. Is this news? <laughs> Everybody just clowns on me. Yeah. I had to do a bit of a double take of the box score this morning because there was a D Wade. For Cleveland, who played five minutes last night, and I'm thinking, what? Yeah, <laughs> what? He didn't come back, did he? <laughs> Where the wind? Oh yeah, yeah. No, he did. This was Dean Wade. Dean. Dino. No. Crazy part is, it sounds a lot like D Wade. Yeah, <laughs> old Dino. Dean. Do you think there'll ever be a player named Wayne Dade? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was Wayne a Dade. there was a Demarcus Cousins and a Marcus Cousin. Remember? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Dave. <laughs> All right, so no one takes this news. Yeah, the Lakers are good. They're, they could do something special if that means special. possibly winning a title. They're one of the favorites. It, is it if, I mean, if uh, you're only putting three teams on the finals, you know, legit chance at winning it this year, is it, who is it, Bucks, Lakers, and then do you still go Clippers? Yeah, that's, uh, Who's the third team? Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's the Clippers. Sure. Yeah. The Clippers. Sure. Yeah. They've left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. But it's the Clippers, yeah. for sure. Because you're still, even though they've yep. been playing well, the Jazz and the Nuggets are fine, and the Rockets, obviously, with the firepower, it's like, I think you're still taking the Clips yeah. in, a, in a playoff series. All right, we uh, have a little top five fun, and uh, we got Tweet of the Night still, but first, word from our sponsors. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join Team LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash nodunks, where you'll also get your own customized handshake. No, you won't get that part. But unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash no dunks. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash no dunks. I got a new headline here. LeBron's calm could do something <laughs> special. <laughs> That's from uh, Kevin Lowe. <laughs> I was so calm listening to your ad read. Yeah, yeah. very soothing voice yeah, when you want. Breathe in, breathe out. Let's do it all together. Did you read Zion Williamson a bedtime story last night? Oh, man, I felt it with him. <laughs> You're ready for a snooze as well, <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah, man. Get one of those sleep stories from <laughs> Calm.com. I'm surprised that's not more of a story, Zion Williamson falling asleep on the bench. He's not ready to come back and play basketball. <laughs> he was in Detroit. <laughs> I know. But it was like a f- late fourth quarter. 
of an overtime game. Last year, we saw a weekend whoopsies was the guy who fell asleep eating pizza in uh, Detroit. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's something in there, the lighting in that arena. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they got the hot lamps cooking those pizzas, I guess. <laughs> cooking that Zion. Zion's back soon, guys. Yep. All right, moving on. I'm waiting. The second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is there's only a few more weeks left in the football season. But the good news is you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. And if you've never played before, there's even more to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching a game quite like having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best teams left, there's no better time to be playing. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUN. You can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, guys. We are, well, a couple of weeks away from the NBA trade deadline. So I thought I'd hit you with a fun top five today. This is my top five favorite trade deadline deals. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Yes, my top five favorite top five, top trade top five, top deadline five. deals at number five. Only a few years back, 2017, DeMarcus Cousins is traded during the All-Star game. It was crazy. The Kings shipped Cousins and Caspi to the Pelicans for Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, Buddy Heald, and a first and a second round draft pick. Remember, Cousins only played two minutes in that game everybody else was getting like your general like 10 minutes of all-star game and everyone's like what's going on here what's going on here we were i remember all together soon after the game at all-star weekend then suddenly that word broke because it's been traded it was traded basically during the game crazy what's going on here so it was just a fun one uh i sort of remember exactly where we were when we found out it was like whoa it was very very uh, shocking that the kings uh, shipped him to the pelicans and there's some videos out there of demarcus cousins apparently finding out yep. when he was a. Uh, he was apparently, you know, addressing the media, and a security escort was telling him, "Hey, we got to go. Also, you're traded." Yeah, it was. It's strange that clip. Yeah. At number four, 2003, Ray Allen for Gary Payton. Okay, this is the rare superstar for superstar swap. The Bucks sent Ray Allen with Flip Murray, Kevin Ollie, and a 2003 first-round draft pick to the Sonics for GP and Desmond Mason. Listen to those names in that yeah. trade, right? I mean, let alone Ray Allen and Gary Payton, Flip Murray, Kevin Ollie, and Desmond Mason. Wow. Uh, GP, at the time, he was still an all-star, but he was getting up there in age. He was 34 years old. He was in the last year of his contract. Um, the Bucks, they would go on to make the playoffs that year, but they lost in the first round. Where Ray Allen, he was a lot younger. He was like really just hitting his prime. He was 27. He would have some monster years in Seattle, like putting up 25, 26 points per game. But they only made the playoffs once when he was there. They only made it once. Isn't that crazy? 
So not a lot of playoff success mm. with Ray before he was eventually traded to the Celtics. Number three, 2001. 76ers acquire Dikembe Mutombo. Got a little defense there. Yeah, they needed a defensive monster to go with already a really good defensive team, especially to pair with your offensive juggernaut in Allen Iverson. Uh, so they landed, Philly landed Dikembe by giving the Hawks Theo Ratliff, Tony Kukoc, Nazir Muhammad, and Pepe Sanchez. Oh, <laughs> yes. nice Pepe throwback. And, yeah, and Ratliff wouldn't even uh, play the second half, really, of that season. But Deke helped the defensive-minded Sixers go all the way to the finals, took a game off the Dynasty Lakers there, but lost in five. At number two, 2008, Pau Gasol is traded to the Lakers for his brother Mark. Yeah. It's wild. Probably one of the most impactful trades in NBA history when you really think about it. Uh... Traded from the Grizzlies, Pal was, with a second-round pick to the Lakers for Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenton, Mark Gasol, Aaron McKee, a 2008 first-round pick, and a 2010 first-round draft pick, which turned out to be Gravis Vasquez. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hey. Biscuits himself. Uh, so this deal, really, I mean, it gave Kobe, like, a post-present sidekick again. Helped L.A. get to the finals in Powell's first three years there. I'd forgotten about that. They lost the first time they got to the finals, but then won the next two. Not bad. Pretty good trade. And, oh, yeah, Marcus Gasol ended up being one of the greatest Grizzly players of all mm-hmm. time. So it sort of worked out for both teams. But my number one favorite trade deadline, and these weren't happening just on the trade deadline day. You know, some of these were building up to it. But 2004, Pistons get Rasheed Wallace. Instrumental in helping them win a ring. Uh, the Pistons, if you remember, in 2004, they had an awesome record going. They were 32-16. and 16. Okay, they were great going into February. And then they suddenly went on this little slide. Uh, which maybe was a big reason for making the move. They were 2-6 and six before that trade deadline day. So in a very convoluted three-team trade, I'm not going to go through it all, Detroit ended up getting Rasheed Wallace from the Hawks. Atlanta, That's right. Yeah. He played one game uh, for the Hawks. But I think because of his ties maybe to North Carolina, Larry Brown, he was able to harness uh, you know Rasheed's talent and maybe even his little attitude there at times and help bring a chip to Motor City. So... Huge. Both those last two, Powell going to the Lakers and then Rashid going to the Pistons, instrumental in getting those three uh, teams' rings. Do you guys have any other favorites over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so? A favorite deadline deal for whatever reason you want? 2005, Antoine Walker was traded back to the Boston Celtics. Yep. Uh, now, he wore number eight on his first stint there in Boston, but on his second stint, Al Jefferson, the rookie, had number eight. Mm-hmm. So, Twan. Went for number 88 instead. <laughs> <laughs> and he just came back and just started firing away That's like right. he'd never left. Uh, <laughs> he was fun to watch, even if he was uh, maybe not the most efficient shooter and scorer in NBA history, but Twan was great. He'd be funny in today's game, wouldn't oh, he? Yeah. <laughs> He's too early. <laughs> yeah, he really was. What about you guys? Uh, a favorite for me was the 2009 deadline day before my birthday, February 18th. Chicago Bulls acquire Brad Miller and John Salmons. Oh, yeah. For Drew Gooden and Andres Nocioni. You know, they needed a little extra scoring. And if you traded for John Salmons at that time, he was going to average 25 to 30 points a game after he got traded. It seemed like every single season he would get traded and immediately become an all-star caliber player. It worked out for the Bulls. Brad Miller had some big shots against the Celtics. That first round uh, uh, in the playoffs, that was a fun trade. Brad Miller was also traded in the uh, the Ron Artest trade at uh, around the trade deadline. Yep, that's way right. back yep. when as well. <sighs> totally forgot about that trade. The Ron Artest from the Bulls trade. Young Ron. Uh, I, I like the Camarillo Anthony trade from Denver to New York. I mean that that just yep. that monster. It was just fun to analyze. 
what went back to Denver and how they handled it and how they how they did, even though Carmelo Anthony Carmelo Anthony was going to New York anyway. Uh, so yeah, that package they got Wilson Chandler, Dio Gallinari, Raymond Felton, and some picks and Mozgov. I, I thought initially, I'm like, yeah, they're not really going to do much in Denver, but they really turned that team around. They they made it a strong team as well. Hoping we get some deals here in the next couple of weeks. Really test the emergency podcast system that we got. <laughs> um, and just yeah, give us some fun stuff to talk about. I think there's going to be, it just feels like there's enough teams in playoff races that you think would be wanting to make moves to help their chances. You got some obviously messes and be it Detroit or Cleveland that they should be looking to the future long term. And some of those key players that they have, you would think maybe they would try and get something back for them be it Drummond or Love or Tristan Thompson or Derrick Rose, like whatever. So I'm I'm optimistic we get a, we get a couple here. I think we get something. Yeah. yeah. Always better to be optimistic because remember what happened 2014 deadline? We were waiting around all day, all day, all day. And then finally, Evan Turner shipped <laughs> to the, the Pacers for Danny Granger. We're like, yeah! <laughs> what a big-time deal. Spent hours breaking down Evan Turner for Danny Granger, and guess what? It did not matter. No, it didn't. Yeah, let's hope we uh, don't repeat that again. All right, J.D., Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Well, I actually was avoiding Twitter because uh, I'm not up to date on my uh, Bachelor viewing, so oh. I didn't want any spoilers. But uh, I did have something prepped. It was all about Elizabeth Banks and a, and a salad she was carrying. But <laughs> then this tweet rolled in this morning from Shams. Landmark day in the WNBA, a new collective bargaining agreement that has raised average salaries up to six figures for the first time, improved travel and marketing opportunities, and paid salary on maternity leave, among other changes. I mean, this is all obviously great news. Huge news. Paid maternity leave should be written into the Constitution, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I'd like to take this opportunity to tell the trolls in that feed to go f*** themselves mm. because uh, they're brutal and they're stupid and they deserve this. And yeah, that's big. There's a you know if you go look at the the full report of this the tentative agreement, but it sounds like mm-hmm. obviously both sides are going to uh, sign it, sign off on it. Yeah, I mean, the the average are going to get players, the average player, not only like the top top are going to get yeah, half a million potentially, but 130,000 for the average is huge. And I think this is big if you don't follow the WNBA all that closely. This financial incentive is in theory going to keep players in the WNBA cuz mm. like we've had a lot of like former league MVPs like Brenna Stewart, right? She tore her Achilles yeah. going to play overseas because they make more money. And then she had to miss an entire WNBA year. Tarazi, I think sat out a season because her Russian uh, team. overseas team yep. was just paying her more. They're like, Hey, we would rather you just be healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, that's great news. I mean, just even for the product on the floor, you're going to have some of these star players. Oh yeah. They're getting paid what they should be paid or at least in the step in the right direction. Um, and they'll be out there making for a better uh, product. Lauren Jackson, Australia's greatest basketballer ever. Uh, her career, ended soon because she had to play in the u.s she had to go to russia she went to south korea because she just needed it to you know make all the money yeah uh, but her body broke down in the end so hopefully this is uh something that a, a step towards even greater uh progression not for the only women's for game. The, yeah not only for the women's uh, basketball league other women's sports yes you know be it soccer and hockey and stuff like that for sure uh also within this i don't know if you saw they're adding an in-season commissioner's cup Ooh. Yeah. tournament 
this year. That is a part of all this. Or, you know, it's obviously buried because this is the big news with uh, them getting a pay increase and, and not having to share hotel rooms and flying, you know, for sort of first class or premium seats. Like, but yeah, we're going to see it. We're going to see this unfold at least before it maybe makes its way to the NBA. What a Commissioner's Cup, I guess, would look like in the WNBA. Less if, teams, of course. If I'm not mistaken, the WNBA also had the 14 second offensive rebound shot clock reset mm. before the NBA did so. It's cool to see the WNBA being used even as a testing ground for things that could someday come perhaps to the NBA. Great tweet of the night there, JD. Picking results Monday night. Lily and Trey stay hot. Hornets, Blazers was the game. Portland was favored by eight and a half. Now they got the win, but they did not cover. Looks good at the half, but Hornets covered. The Hornies. The Hornies. Hornies. Covered for Trey and Lee. So that's another win for those guys. A loss for Tass and I as we paired up for that L. Records right now in January. Lee seven and one. Trey six and two. I'm five hundred at four and four. Tass dips below. He's at three and five. Tonight's game. We need it. Yikes. Yikes. I'm not feeling good over here. Uh, the Utah Jazz visiting the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving returned after 26-game absence on Sunday. Felt good versus the Hawks, but it's going to be different against the Utah Jazz. Jazz have won nine straight and 14 of 15. My goodness. Uh, yeah, that they're, they're playing a bunch of sub-500 teams. And uh, Brooklyn is probably uh, the best one they've played in a while. They, they've beat the <laughs> right. Wizards, Hornets, Knicks, Pelicans. You know, have been playing better. Magic Bulls, Pistons. Clippers was their big one. Trailblazers going going back in time here. That was you know before the new year. So maybe the Nets can knock them off. I don't know if anyone's picking the Nets. Is Kyrie playing like you know second game in a row? It's not a back to back situation, but coming he's back playing. from the injury. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. He's playing. All right, Lee, man, you uh, you're seeing things right now. It's like uh, you're like Neo a little <laughs> bit. You're like Kyle Kuzma in the Matrix. Yeah. See that outfit? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> where are you going? Uh, I, I'm assuming Donovan Mitchell's back. And really, the, the the Jazz just have to win this game. And I think That's they true. will. Okay. Yeah, it's weird that the line is so small. Yeah. I think the Nets can win this game. So I will take the Nets. I'm not saying they will. <laughs> they might lose by one. Yeah, it's I true. I don't it's even true. care. Um... I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm just gonna jump on the Lee Ellis, uh, you know, wave right now. That wave, like his hair, and uh, go with the Utah Jazz. I'm going with the Utah Jazz for this reason. I saw on Reddit that username uh, Jazzer Hero called Boyan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles Bojangles. The Bojangles are <laughs> shooting a combined 41.6 three pointers on 12 and a half attempts. The Bojangles and the Jazz win. I think Zach Lowe had Joe Ingles yes, on his podcast. Yes, he did. Have you listened I to haven't that? listened to it yet. I've got a, I've got a favorite or liked. So I'm, I'm, okay. I've got it in the uh, bookmarks there. Cool. Will I get to it? That's <laughs> favorite and liked and bookmarked. Okay, so three of us <laughs> taking the Jazz to win by two or more on the road. Um, Trey with the swerve taking the Nets at home, the plus 1.5. Good luck to everybody. Guys, mentioned it off the top of the show. New Beach Steppin' Podcast later today. All right. Make sure you've subscribed to No Dunks wherever you listen to us. So you get that beach stepping right away, that mailbag-only episode. Guys, check out the other great podcasts on the Athletic Network. I love me some Daily Ding. I love showering. I shower and listen to the ding. Uh, 100%. It's great. Same. Yep. That's when I know when to get out of the shower is when, I don't know, Waz tells me, ding, ding. (laughs) All right. It's over. Wow, you're taking a 20-minute shower every morning. Well, it's more like 15 minutes, one and a half speed. Yeah. I actually like, uh, I listened to it on the Athletic app, and they have that nice uh, 1.2 feature. That's a nice speed. 
1.2. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, when you want to just enjoy it a little, little bit, bit more. <laughs> a little quicker. Spotify has that too. Oh, they guys. do too? Okay, yeah. good, good. I'd like to choose my own percent. I feel like I'm a 1.35 kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> 1.2, little slow. 1.5, little fast. And guys, get 40% off an athletic subscription today. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks for 40% off the best, greatest sports writing in the world. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, hopefully you're out there favoriting, bookmarking, liking, subscribing, retweeting, poking, and rating the No Dunks podcast. (laughs) Embrace the day, people. You could stay.